Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Well, I do have to say, though, y'all look really good this morning. You all look great. And, and everybody looked a little bit better after worship. It's like something about the presence of the Lord just makes your face shine, right? And I'm not talking about greasy foreheads like what I got right now. And I have to say, too, my wife looks amazing today. You look so beautiful. I think I fall in love with you over and over and over again. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. How many know that's what the Lord does in a marriage that's yielded to God? Amen? Come on. We see each other in the light of heaven and the value and the blessing and the people that we have in front of us as family, as the family of God. You don't have to be married to have, be surrounded by people that love you. How many know you're surrounded by people that love you right now? And we have, we're so blessed. We're so thankful. I love this church. I love the love in this church the brotherly love, and the presence of the Lord that is just so real and resting in this house. But I just had to give a shout out to my wife because she looked good, but I told you all you look good too. I didn't want you to feel left out. I'm very inclusive, you know, sometimes too much. My birthday's coming up this month. Oh, I keep forgetting. How about we just have a big old party? I want to invite everybody here. We'll rent a yacht. A whole cruise, I'll empty my savings. The holes, I'm going to empty it out. We'll rent a cruise ship. Everyone's free. Come. <laughs> Food. Come on. All the sipping saints, you can have a little wine, as long as it's communion wine. All right, that's probably not going to happen, but I didn't want you to feel left out, so I want to tell you how good you look. Well, let's read the Bible on that note. Luke chapter 11 We're going to just read four verses here. We're going to read in the New King James. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Father, thank you for today. I just pray for uh, your heart and your love to be revealed to us so that we can learn to cultivate a life of prayer where it becomes who we are. You're calling us to be people of prayer, to burn with a passion for prayer, to burn with a fiery love to be in your presence. And Lord, teach us to pray and teach us who you are. May your love, the depths of your love, how deep, how wide, your love be revealed. In a greater way, we pray. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for this wonderful time of worship. I honor the psalmist anointing and the psalmist gifts that you have given this house, 
the well of worship in here. We don't ever want to take it lightly that we get a worship and it's as if we are all in heaven together. A foretaste of your presence, Lord. A foretaste of heaven being in your presence. We thank you. In Jesus' name, would you shout out amen? Amen. amen. It's interesting to me, Jesus starts, or the, uh, Luke starts with, as Jesus was praying, they were watching him pray, and then they said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, like, there's something about inspiration. There's a wind on prayer, if you will, where prayers are not just frequent, but they're alive. You could have a prayer life, but your prayers could be dead. How many know, I don't want, how many are with me? I don't want dead prayers. I want prayers that the wind of the Spirit is on. And the disciples saw it. They saw Jesus was praying and they said, teach me to pray. And so the, then the Lord begins. He says, this is, this is how I want you to pray. And we're going to dive into this. I want to uh, talk to you about how we see the Lord. Um, I want to talk to you about theology. How many know theology is not just a systematic way of looking at different doctrines in the Bible? Amen? Amen. Theology is simply this. It is that, but it is how we see God. How we understand God. How we experience God. It's the study of God. And how many know everyone has a little bit different theology? Some people can say, well, I'm not into theology. Well, that's your theology. (laughs) Some of you say, well, I'm not into that kind of stuff. I just read the Bible. Well, then that's your theology. Your Your understanding of God is that's how you come to God is it's just you and your Bible. Um, and so everyone has a theology and theology is important, especially in the church that is maybe more mystical or prophetic or, you know, a lot of times we devalue reasoning and using our heads. We devalue the intellect. And, and I don't mean that to say we exalted above everything else because we also have to value experience. There's encounters that we have with God that we can't, it surpasses our understanding But that doesn't mean we shouldn't study to show ourselves approved unto God. Come on, somebody. A workman needeth not to be a change. You know, I did it in the King James for a reason. Like, we shouldn't be ashamed. We should study to show ourselves approved unto God. Now, there's something about theology, though, that we're going to talk about in prayer. Because how you pray, well, your theology determines how you pray. And how you pray will determine your theology too because how you approach God is how you're going to receive from Him. And, and I want to talk about this in, in, the light of, uh, in the light of the Lord's Prayer. Now, I've been married for uh, 21 years. I had to think about it, honey. Please forgive me. We're going to be celebrating our 22nd anniversary this September, September 30th. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for all the applause. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Thanks for your encouragement. Hey, nowadays, man, you're married over six months and you are blessed and highly favored, man. Come on, somebody. Josiah in the office uh, a couple, just a few days ago was like, oh, today's our three-month anniversary. Or two-month. You said two? I'm like, two-month anniversary? He's like, yeah, well, I've been married for two months. I'm like, yeah, come on. Let's go, baby. You can be married for a long time. Come on, forever. Till death do us part. But how many know marriage is a wonderful thing? Um, and I, I'm thankful I married a beautiful Christian woman. You know, um, I got saved when I was 17. 
And of course, I wanted to get married, wanted to have kids, but I didn't know the Lord, so I got saved. And I, I was a little wild man before I got saved. Like, I, I was a little rebellious, and I lived in Las Vegas. Give me a break. So, you know, I lived off of the Las Vegas Strip. I got into some trouble. Um, but when I got saved, it was like I lost my ability to even express any type of crush to a Christian girl. I didn't know how to flirt, which is probably a good thing, right? Like, I went from being a semi, like, ladies man, young man, like, you know, I knew how to I'd get phone numbers and stuff, to like, I don't know, hi, praise God, I go to church too, you know, like, I, like, I don't, <laughs> I lost, then I began to encounter, uh, this will go somewhere, I promise, I began to encounter a little bit of the weirdness of, like, Christian dating, hello? Kiss dating goodbye, and it's like, I don't know what to believe here. I don't know what's going on. All I know is, is that I'm newly saved. I love the Lord, and my first time at youth group was a horror story. I, I go, it was horrible. I, I go to youth, and this girl's like, oh, here, youth is this way. And I'm like, no, it's through this door. No, no, we have to go outside. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I follow this girl outside, and I'm like, I'm going to youth group. You know, I don't even know who this girl is. And then we walk in the back door. She grabs my hand to pull me in the door, but she doesn't just grab my hand this way. She did one of those lock things to make it look like we're dating or something. I don't even know this girl. Pulls me in the youth group. We walk in. All the youth stare at me and this girl, and we're holding hands like this, and I'm just like, what's happening right now? It was so uncomfortable. And then, you know, of course, you have guys that approach girls you know, the Lord told me you're to be my wife. How many times? Go to Bible college, find a spouse, right? There's a Bible college on the West Coast called Life Bible College. Now it's called Pacific Life. It's a four-score Bible college. They had a saying, go to life, get a wife. Didn't turn out too well. Over-spiritualize everything. Well, the Lord told me. Yeah, I've heard that one before. And so it's, it was a little awkward, you know, learning. I had a couple uh, young girls come up to me like, the Lord told me we're, we're supposed to get married. I'm like, I, the Lord didn't tell me that. <laughs> How many of you, that's a really powerful response when someone tries to manipulate you with God told me? Don't look at me like it's never happened or you've never done it. <laughs> the Lord told me. Sometimes the Lord told me can be used to manipulate people. Because if you say the Lord told me, it's like, well, I can't argue with that unless I say the Lord didn't tell me. <laughs> and we just start one up and, well, the Lord told me this. Well, the Lord told me this. So I experienced some craziness. And this was the time like when Internet was becoming a thing. I'm young. I want to serve the Lord. And, uh, and Internet was becoming a thing. Now, it was like, it's not like it is now. You can ha get Internet anywhere, and Internet's fast. It was like old school Internet. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you've got mail. Who remembers AOL? Who had it? No young people. Stop lying, Josiah. You were like one, dude. So there's like online dating and chat rooms. So I'm like, well, maybe I could find a girl online. Christian girl 777 at AOL. That's not real. I don't think that's real, but don't. Oh, she seems nice. She loves the Lord. She lives in, oh, she lives across the country. But then I realized, like, she might not even be a Christian. How do I know? 
she might not even be a girl. <laughs> Hello? Could be some large, big belly dude in the basement in his underwear, for all I know. I... We really want to function in the pulpit as a transparent. We keep it real up here. Come on, somebody. So it was popular, you know, and then social media. I heard some scary stories about people meeting on people online and stuff. Nowadays, social media, it's like there's a filter for everything. There's funny filters, scary filters, and filters that make you look way better than you really are. Come on, somebody. People meet online, and then they meet in person. It's like, we look a little different. Like, oh, that picture was from 12 years ago. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, there's a lot of filters, though. There's a lot of filters uh, that, and, and, you know, obviously there's image issues and there's things like that. And usually our social media life looks way better than it really is. And sometimes maybe it doesn't. Sometimes someone can appear to be nice on social media and then they're like bullies. How many have ever encountered people like that? I think it's the same thing with theology, though. There's a lot of filters. And there's a lot of bad filters. And there's some filters that make God look completely different. And there's some filters. And Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, comes in and removes some of the filters of his time. Some of the things that eclipse or blind us from seeing the true image of God. And there's something profound about even in the first century when a rabbi would pray, it was as if they are saying, this is what I believe about God and this is how I see God. This is a first century contextual understanding of a prayer of that time. If you ask a rabbi, teach us to pray, you're saying, show me what God looks like to you. That's profound. There's a, a powerful script or a powerful quote, uh, Thomas F. Torrance. He says, it is only in and through Jesus Christ that man's eclipse of God can come to an end and he can emerge again out of darkness into light. See, when the filters are removed and they might be filters that portray God as this warm, fuzzy guy that just you can just believe whatever you want and do whatever you want and live however you want. How many know that love doesn't say come as you are, stay as you are. Love doesn't compromise. True love, come on. It says come as you are and I'll transform you. When we encounter God, there's a change. And that's not who God is. We put filters on God. We, we, we've made God in our own image. And some of us even... And including myself, we make God in our own image. We want a retribute of God. We want a God that gets really mad like we might at times because then we can hold on to our grudges because God holds on to his grudges. So why can't I? It's easier for us to get by in our faith if we have a God made in our image. There's a, an old prophetic voice says God made man in his image and then man decided to return the favor. See, Jesus came to reveal who God really is. Well, I just believe the Bible, Pastor. You know, that's, that's who God is. Well, like, what scripture? The whole Bible? You read the whole Bible? Like, we have a lot of Christians that read the same Bible that have different views of God. Jesus, though, is the perfect revelation of God. 
Hebrews 1.3, Colossians 1.15, John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the exact fingerprint. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. And he came to reveal the heart of the Father. Because he himself is God the Son. He himself comes to remove the filters. He comes to remove the toxic images, the wrong images, the fluffy images that we have in our minds about God. No wonder we have issues with prayer. We're either praying with many, many words with no wind or we don't approach God because we're afraid that he might smite us. Maybe not smite us, but maybe like, maybe he's disappointed in us. So why do I really want to spend time with a God who's disappointed in me? So the Lord's Prayer removed these filters. The Lord's Prayer revealed the heart of the Father because Jesus, being the rabbi of the disciples, that's, that's what happens. You know, Matthew 6, 7, just before the Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer, he says, when you pray, don't use empty phrases. Can you say that with me? Empty phrases. That, that like hit me when I was reading it. I was like... Sometimes I pray with a lot of empty phrases. I think our empty phrases might come from bad filters. I want to read a few things uh, to you, and then we're going to dive into some other scripture. The, the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father. Say our Father. Our Father. You see, Jesus actually spoke Aramaic. I'm going to know the Bible was written, the New Testament was written in Greek, Right? But Jesus actually spoke Aramaic. Just some really profound nuggets uh, to glean from a scholar, Kenneth E. Bailey. He says it this way. He says that the modern consensus among scholars is that the Lord's Prayer begins with the Aramaic word Abba. Not the Greek word pater, but Abba. Now why is this important? In that time... You know, and even in this time, Hebrew to a Jew is the language of God. Arabic to a Muslim is the language of God. And then Jesus says, pray this way. And he doesn't recite a normal Hebrew prayer. He revolutionizes it. Modern Jews might at that time pray in Hebrew, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God of our fathers, blessed one, holy one. When Jesus rebukes long prayers, he's also talking about the pagans. If you addressed a deity, Caesar, it was literally a paragraph of different titles. Jesus is like, throw out the titles and come to God with a simplicity of heart. Because you can, because he's a father that loves you. So when Jesus starts the Lord's Prayer, he revolutionizes it. It's very rare for, even in the Old Testament, you can see it maybe 16 times where God is mentioned as a father. In the New Testament, God is mentioned as father over 250 times. Father. Abba. But not just a father, pater, not just like a, a lofty father, you know, but because we could have all our own understandings of what a father is. Some of us maybe didn't have a father around or our father maybe was... Uh, you know, hurtful to us or absent to us. Hello? Sometimes I think the way that we understand God, it's like the outline of how we understand God as a father is limited by our own experience of 
our own parental figures in our life. It's, it's limiting, in fact. But Jesus is trying to remove that limit. He's trying to break those filters off. He does it in the prodigal son story. You know, he's like, the father's way more loving than any dad you could imagine in this moment. So he starts with our father. It wasn't a modern Jewish prayer, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, God of our fathers, blessed one, holy one, builder of Jerusalem, mighty one, redeemer of Israel. Rarely, it might be something like our father, and that's what Jesus chose. Jesus said, this is how you pray. And remember, they were just watching him pray. They were just watching him commune with the father. Sometimes he spent all night in prayer. That doesn't mean he talked the whole time. The Eastern fathers believed that some of his prayer time was just in silence, just connecting and communing because he was one with the Father. It's beautiful. Jesus chose Abba. So the modern consensus among scholars in the Lord's Prayer begins with Abba. One of the ways we know this is that it's mentioned three times in the New Testament, which is written in Greek. This is important. Uh, Mark 14.36, Romans 8.15, and Galatians 4.6. That in the Greek writing, you have this Aramaic word, Abba. Now, Abba is not this lofty word for father. It's a, an endearment and reverential, affectionate way to address God. It's better translated, Papa. Jesus is saying, you can come to God and talk to God like a child, like you would come to a Abba. Papa. It's usually the first word. Even to this day, there's four countries in the world where it is literally taught. It is the first word a child learns. The first word that comes off of his lips is Abba. I was so blessed when my kids began to talk because most of them said Dada first. But I don't even know if they're really saying Dada. It was just easier than Mama. But I'll still receive it as Dada. And there's something about when my kids today come to me, they know better than to call me by my name. Zach. I remember one time Layla did that. I'm like, you're in timeout. <laughs> did you just address me by my name? My name is unspeakable. It's too holy. No, you don't call me Zach. I'm your father. Sometimes Hannah will say, Father, Father. But when Hannah needs something, she'll say, Dada. She knows my heart. There's something about how we approach God. We learn with the simplicity of heart to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. Because in his prayer, he wasn't just giving us a formula. He was actually revealing the heart of God so that we could come to him. So that we could know that he's loving. So that we can know that he doesn't look like the other gods, paganism. He doesn't look like the gods that we see in the versions of God that we see in different forms of religion. No, he's a father. He's a papa. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray Abba, he affirmed a vision of family of faith that went beyond the community of those who claimed Racial tie to Abraham. Remember, Hebrew was the language of God to the Jew. Arabic is the language of God 
to the Muslim today. Of course, it's many years later. But why would Jesus use Aramaic? Because he broke it out of the box that we can all now address God as our Father. In other words, every human being of any tribe or nation has a Father. You know, our job as Christians is not to tell them how evil they are. It's to tell them they have a Father. The reason we do dumb things is because we're wounded by sin. We have wounds. And what people need is the Father's love. And some wounds are so deep, they don't need disinfectant on it. They need binding and embracing. That doesn't mean we don't speak truth and love, but it means we love with the love of the Father when we reveal the heart of God for humanity and it transforms humans' dispositions at a God they thought was mad about the, at them, but actually he's mad about them. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves us with an extravagant, ridiculous, wild, burning, furious, undaunting, implacable. I'm just trying to think of some more words. I could go on forever trying to describe the love of God and it would just be a drop in the bucket. The ocean of his love. Jesus taught us that we have a father and we can address him equally And there's no racial or historical insider or outsider. But we, as a humanity, can come to God and say, Abba, it breaks my heart that people don't know that they can come to Abba. That they don't know they have a Papa that loves them. It breaks my heart when I see orphan wounds. It breaks my heart when we planted a church and Some of these young men and women would come into our home for youth. It just exploded the power of God. They were encountering God. It went from four to over 50, packed into a tiny living room that we lived in. They'd walk over from the project, some of them not having a father, absentee father. Half of the world is fatherless. And it breaks my heart to know that people can't speak out, Abba, because they don't know they have a father. Now we can address him equally. There's no insider or outsider with the word Abba. This is what Jesus was doing. Now, why does the New Testament repeat it? It's three times. Jesus uses it in his prayer in the garden. Paul uses it two different times to express to the new covenant believer when we're dwelt with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit teaches us to say Abba, that we can come to God. How many know we need some Spirit-led prayers today? But a Spirit-led prayer is not just some amazing beautiful, articulate prayer. God of our fathers, you are the creator of the universe. You know, when the Spirit leads me, I I speak with more of a British tone. Because that's Jesus spoke in a British accent. Haven't you seen Jesus of Nazareth? How many know Spirit-led prayers are not necessarily long prayers? They're prayers where the Spirit teaches us to come to God like a child and say, Papa. Daddy. Oh man, if we could just learn to cry out, Abba. Abba. And Jesus is revealing, hey, when you pray, just say, Abba. They're like, what? That's what toddlers say. And they run up and they pull on the robe of their daddy, 
Abba, Abba. It's also the addressing of somebody who is respected, an elder in a community, a papa. Somebody with a long gray beard. Well, I shouldn't prophesy that over my own life yet. <laughs> he could have just used the Greek word for father, and this is uh, something that Kenneth E. Bailey says. He's a scholar. He could have used the Greek word for father, but it was so important to the apostolic church, this word Abba was so important to the early church, they retained it. Even while writing in Greek, knowing some readers might not even understand it. It was still preserved because Abba is how Jesus taught us how to pray. You see, religion has complicated and convoluted prayer. Made it this attempt to get to God to do something instead of coming to Him. And there's different types of prayer. There's petitions. There's intercession. There's the life of prayer and communion with God. And we could talk about all of those, but unless we first stop and realize that we can come to Him and that He, His arms are open and He wants to talk to us and we can come to Him and be whole. We can come and receive His embrace. And this is how Jesus taught us how to pray. See, we've complicated it, but Jesus simplified it. Even children understand it. Now the second part, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy. Can you say amen to that? Our Father, hallowed be your name. I just want to talk about these first couple parts of the Lord's Prayer today. Uh, James, or not James, uh, Eugene Peterson in the message translation translates hallowed be your name. Reveal who you are. Another scholarly translation, reveal your distinctiveness. Because hallowed, the opposite word of that would be confusion. And Jesus was saying, come to God and say, Papa. And then he was praying, get rid of the confusion. Remove the filters. Get rid of the, the painful images that we've even painted of God and we've dipped them in the pain of our soul, dipped the paintbrush of life in the pain of our soul and we paint this image of God. He's like, no, 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 reveal your distinctiveness. Wipe the slate clean and let me show you what the Father looks like. Get rid of the confusion. Get rid of the filters. God is not a monster. God is not waiting for a virgin in a volcano. He's not the God of archaic religion. He's a papa. And he loves us. And, and how many know he's a father, a son, and Holy Spirit? Amen. God is relational, relationship in himself, inviting us to the table, inviting us to commune and partake with him. Reveal who you are. Reveal your distinctiveness. Get rid of the confusion. God is not the author of confusion. Amen. And we can come to God with simplicity of heart in prayer. And just say, Father, Abba, Papa, Daddy God. Quote from Karl Barth, another uh, theologian that's pretty well known in this last century. God's essential identity as disclosed in Jesus Christ is the mysterious identity of the triune God. It's interesting in Luke 11, 
He teaches on the Lord's Prayer. And then he talks about prayer. And then at the end, and usually the end is applied to us receiving the Holy Spirit. Where Jesus says, if there's any father among you, how many are familiar with that? And he gives a little metaphor. He says, if there's a father among you, if any dad comes to, or a son comes to his father and says, hey dad, can I have a piece of bread? I'm hungry. Is the dad going to hand them a big rock? Here you go, son. Chew on that. (laughs) Or if a son comes to any of us dads, how many dads do we have in the room? Hey, dad, can I have an egg for breakfast? I'd love some scrambled eggs. I'm paraphrasing. Is the father going to go, sure, here, buddy, and hand him a scorpion? (laughs) You don't even know what those are. I'm from Vegas. You don't even know what they are. I call mosquitoes scorpions because they're the equivalent, the annoying creatures that you wonder, why in the heck did you make this, God? Are they a perversion of sin in creation? I don't know, but I hate them. We just pray mosquitoes die unless they have real purpose in our, I don't know. Yeah, bat food, that's about it, right? You can pray, Lord, bring more bats. Not too many, though. Not too many. You can send those bats over to us because... Our backyard could use it. It's kind of wet out there. And is, a, is a father going to hand his son a scorpion when he asks for breakfast? Hello? Jesus goes on and then he says, If you then being imperfect know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now we always teach that and say, oh, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. He indwells you, but you need to see the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to pray in tongues. You need, yeah, that's wonderful, and I believe that. We come, we just ask. There's something about just petitioning, just asking God. Give Him the desires of our heart. But Jesus is saying something here. He's saying, by the way, if you want to learn how to pray and address God this way and understand who He is and know His heart. See, this was revolutionizing. Like, when Jesus said things like, He knows every hair on your head, he has it numbered. Amen. He wasn't talking about the omniscience of God, by the way. He was talking about the value that we have. And he says, even if a sparrow falls, your father knows. You see, in that time, in the first century, if somebody said, God have mercy on this bird's nest, they would silence them because it was blasphemous to even say that God cares about a little bird's nest. But Jesus was revealing like God cares about every little, he loves every little part of you. You're his little baby. Come on. And he has time to count every hair on your head. And for some of us, he's blessed because we don't have that much hair. So he's just like one. Yes, but I love you. But I love you. You see, in fact, Jesus wasn't just teaching us how to pray. He was teaching us how loved we were because who we can approach in prayer. We can come to God. But he was also teaching us that in order to learn this, we need to ask for the Holy Spirit. We need Spirit-led prayers. He says, if any father among you, in the same context, he says, how much more will God the Father give the Spirit to those who ask? Romans 8.26, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, when we don't know how to pray as we ought. We have to ask the Holy Spirit, help me, Holy Spirit. And in this way, if I could connect it to this, because 
This is one of the verses that the word Abba is actually used. It's interesting, it's used three times in the Greek New Testament. Three being the signature of God, the revelation of who God is. In Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16, in the Passion Translation, says this, Paul says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, if I could just add, in your prayer life. In your prayer life. We didn't pray enough today. No, no, that's not what the Spirit leads you into. You've received the spirit of full acceptance. That's why we can come to our Papa, because He accepts us, and He loves us. And He won't leave us. And he won't hurt us. Thank you, Lord. And he won't shun us. Thank you, Jesus. Even if we curse him, the prodigal son, Dad, you're dead to me. Give me my inheritance. The father ran and kissed him Jesus. and embraced him. It's a love far beyond any father that we could imagine. Full acceptance that unfolds us into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as He, the Spirit, that we ask, Holy Spirit, help us, He rises up within us. Our spirit joins to Him. Our spirit, at the core of our being, is woven in with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit touches the deep places of our being where we can come to God and say, Daddy, it almost seems sacrilegious. How can you call the creator of everything, Father. Well, that's what Jesus came to reveal. He's that close. He's that loving. He's that approachable. Father, Papa. And the Spirit joins in us so that we can say the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, or Abba, Father. Daddy, Father. Daddy, God. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. The Holy Spirit makes the reality of fatherhood real to us. I don't know what fatherhood is. I don't know what a father is. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to you so you know you're accepted, you're beloved, you're not going to be forsaken. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, his arms are open to you. He's not going to leave you. And matter of fact, you come to him, he'll heal you. You come to him, he'll set you free. You come to him, he'll kiss you with the kisses of his mouth. Forgiveness is your portion where you don't have to argue with God anymore and live under guilt, shame, or condemnation because the blood of his son has completely wiped away our sin and shame. Come on, he has gone into the deep places of our corruption and sin and the cancer that has cancered humanity. And we we are now free and we can come to God and say Abba and we can say it loud so the world hears it we can say it so loud they're like why are you calling God father I don't like that that's because you're religious that's because you don't know his heart for you but when you do it's easy to just say Abba because we ask the Holy Spirit to help us he makes God's fatherhood real to us. He whispers in our innermost being. And if you listen right now, you can hear him. Close your eyes and listen 
to the Spirit telling you, you are my beloved child. You have a Father in heaven, and he loves you. But I, I don't know. I've gone from home to home, foster. No, you have a Father. There's a story of a, a man who gets a word for somebody prophetic word for somebody in this big auditorium. And there's such anticipation for his prophetic gift. He just usually gives these words that are like read your address and phone number, all this, tell you what you ate for lunch. And, and he has this lady stand up. Lady, in the green shirt. God says to you, I know your birthday. And then that was it. He didn't get anything else. And he's like, what in the world? So he tries again. The Lord says to you, I know your birthday. He says it like three times. She sits down. He was so embarrassed. He felt like I missed it. After the message, the lady comes up crying. That meant so much to me. And she began to explain to him, you don't understand. I went from foster home to foster home. And I cried at night and I said, not even God knows my birthday. Over and over and over for years. And the one word to her was, God knows your birthday. Because we have a papa. Can he say amen? He reveals who he is. We don't have to hide. We don't have to be afraid of intimacy. We don't have to be afraid to approach him. We don't have to hide in the bushes. Where God's like, why are you hiding? Where are you, Adam and Eve? I didn't tell you to hide. The Holy Spirit removes the filter so we can come to our Papa. See, Spirit-led prayers are not just prayers that are rich of words and prophetic insight, but rather they are first a prayer of childlike simplicity where we cry out, Daddy, Daddy. And we know that God is looking at us with eyes of love. He's smiling over us. Can you say amen? amen. Pray with me, would you? In a moment, uh, I want to have our prayer team come up and uh, we're going to dismiss. And as we dismiss, we're going to just have some worship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually jump on the keys and just do some, just do some worship. And, and if you want to be dismissed, you can in a moment. But if you would like to come down and just come to the altar, receive prayer. We want to invite you to do that. Come and just come to Papa, come to Abba and be loved. Some of you, maybe you've dealt with rejection your whole life. And the Father wants to heal. The Father wants, Papa wants to remove those arrows of rejection. He wants to bring healing to you. Father, we're so thankful. You see us, you know us and you love us. You give us access to your heart. You know, as Zach was preaching, I had this picture of when he sits in the living room or when our kids were little and they would just run and jump in his arms or you know, play the game where the kids are standing on the table and just jump into Papa's arms because they trust him. Just the picture of that for us as children that we can run into God 
the same way. You can run right into his lap, right into his arms, right into his chest. He picks us up. He pulls us close. And we cry, Abba, I belong to you. safer place. Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.